0: Where did they go to um, possess the promised land under Moses? Which direction did they go? They went to the east. They went east. Where does the sun rise? <laughs> In, In the, the east. east.
1: <laughs> so, so Get it's really it. sunrise. Yeah, ah. ah, you got that. Way to go!
0: But see, <laughs> the point is, is that the entire point and purpose of Easter is all about the resurrection. It really is. It's about the conquering of death just like the Passover. And the reason we celebrate it at this time has nothing to do with pagan gods or pagan deities, has everything to do with the Jewish origins of our faith.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. It is a journey of faith that you must go on. It is one that you're already on whether you know it or not. You're either growing or are on the journey in your faith. And we want to be part of your growth plan. We want to get you all pumped yes. up on your faith as we head into uh, Easter weekend and celebrating the resurrection of yes. Jesus. And so, here on the Salty Pod pastor podcast we want to just encourage you we want to challenge you we want you to learn to critically think for yourself so you know what you believe and why you believe it and my name is jesse mayor i'll be your host but we cannot do this without the one the only the original salty pastor himself dr (laughs) douglas peak
0: well welcome everybody i uh i'm getting all jazzed up for the biggest celebration of the year in the life of the church and i I get sick. I get a cold. It's it seemed, not COVID, I, I told but you. it's, we it's were a joke, cold.
1: We were joking in our meeting yesterday that I need to start quarantining you two weeks in advance of Christmas and Easter because you seem to... You I seem got to sick collect, right before Christmas, didn't the I? The last two Christmases you've gotten yeah. sick right yeah, before Christmas. Yeah, I mean, right
0: before Christmas last year, boy, I was so sick. I, I mean, I was out for like... 10 days. Yeah, I'm going to have to start
1: quarantining leading up to these things. And I
0: thought, you know, I I was like, oh, this got to be COVID. To be this sick, uh, it's got to be COVID. So I took, you know, 10 tests, wasn't COVID ever. You know, it was just that flu. Just and they, the
1: flu that was kicking your butt.
0: Yeah, and he said the the doctor said, "Well, there's two flus that are going around right now, and one of them is a really bad strain." I go, "Well, I think I know which one I got." <laughs> I but, have
1: an inkling of to which one that might be.
0: One of my favorite things is the staff Christmas party, and I missed it.
1: I know I was so sick, but you did. You did Facetime in. We did get to. That you is did Get true. to say hello to the staff. So. Yeah, but I
0: didn't get to eat any prime but rib. You didn't get any of the good prime
1: rib. <laughs> I, we sent some home for you, though. Yes, you did. It was as awesome. Long as your son didn't eat it all. Like. Yeah, really. Did it get home? That's
0: the question. Well, so. we
1: are focusing on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, yes. our Lord and Savior. the The reason we celebrate the resurrection during this time is because of. Pasha, otherwise known as Passover, yep. or feast or unleavened bread. The feast of unleavened bread. The feast of unleavened bread. Yep. And uh this feast was enacted when the Israelites were let out of Egyptian captivity around yeah. fifteen hundred B
0: C Yeah, that's one thousand five hundred years before Christ was yes, born. So That's a long that's, time.
1: A long time ago. That's thirty five hundred years from where we are now. Yeah. Yes. So that was a long time ago. And that feast lasts for seven days, right, yep. Pastor? Yep. Mm-hmm. And it was at the beginning of this week, the long holiday, that Jesus triumphantly entered Jerusalem. Yeah. I even when I was just in Jerusalem, we saw the gate that they that he that came, they came through. through. Yeah. Which was cool. And the symbolism's pretty powerful, isn't yeah. it? That yeah. the Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians. Moses was commissioned by God to lead them out of slavery, back into the promised land land and, and he, that promise was from Abraham, right? Yeah. Abraham had that promise of, you will have this, this land promised land land (laughs) is yours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Pharaoh wouldn't agree to let the people go. So he, he dropped. 10 plagues on them. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, eventually Pharaoh saw reason or at least something. (laughs) Yeah, he was broken. Um, And the last plague was the angel of death, right? Mm -hmm. Um, A mist that passed through the nation and killed every firstborn son. And the reason it didn't kill any of the Jewish firstborn sons is because they took the blood of a lamb and painted the doorposts with Mm -hmm. it. Now the angel of death would come by, see the blood of the lamb and pass over. Over, Over.
0: yeah, hence the name (laughs) that
1: household, and uh, very similar to that situation when you bring it over to what Christ has done, right? We we translate that mm -hmm. forward, we go, Well, we're enslaved in the kingdom of the world, yes, it's crazy, it's not good, no, as we've talked about many times, yeah, and we die eventually, we die, yeah. But Jesus is our sacrificial lamb that frees us from the curse of death. And that's what this whole week is all about. That's what the whole point of him having to die is. And that's what I think is so unique about the celebration
0: is why we celebrate it right now is uh, because of this month. Well, it's actually the end of March. It's been... We're on a solar calendar, right? right back then they were on a lunar calendar. So they just basically tracked full moon down to the partial moon, to the full moon. And the lunar calendar is off just a little bit, right. And so they're, they're into all that vernal equinoxes and stuff like that. So it, it modulates, you know, within seven days throughout the year, it's like, oh, the spring equinoxes. Sometimes it's at the very end of March, sometimes in first of April. Right. right. So the first month in the Jewish, ca- uh, calendar is Nisan. So, not the car. Not the car. Okay. And what's really interesting about it is it is the beginning of spring. And one of the ways that they would always kind of track it is they would wait until the barley was completely ripe. So they'd plant barley. And then when the barley was completely ripe, then they would say, okay, spring has started. So it's kind of like the uh, groundhog for us. Yeah, right? it was just <laughs> it's sort of, exactly.
1: It'll be roughly around this. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Okay.
0: And what was interesting about all of this is that... Um it, the is that that's why we celebrate it now because Jesus entered into Jerusalem, right? The last seven days of his life, he entered into Jerusalem on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread that okay. Sunday, okay? Then that whole week is when he's teaching and preaching, predominantly in the Temple Mount, uh, a, a huge
1: chunk of the Gospels. Are dedicated to the last seven days of his life right and then i mean that's where we get the story of him flipping tables in yeah. the temple he all of that happened he's there. cursing fig trees yeah like, all that stuff's happening during these last seven days oh right? yeah and
0: all the big parables in matthew you know the parable of talents the parable of the ten okay. virgins the parable of the i mean all of this teaching was going on and happening while at the same time he's teaching in the temple Mount and the Pharisees, Sadducees, the chief priests, and the religious rulers are getting more angry with him, right? Yeah, because this last week. So what's interesting is people go, uh, well, the reason why we celebrate it is because if if you like get on the internet, YouTube shorts or TikTok or stuff like that, there's no, there's an endless stream of people saying that, well. Easter is a pagan thing because back in the sixth century there was a monk who wrote about Aostra, a pagan goddess that in the spring that we stole it from. Blah 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 blah. And
1: they have similar things about Christmas, right? Like yeah, the reason the it's time. on the twenty fifth is because we're stealing the something equinox from the pagans yeah. and just trying to oh, rewrite their. Thing. It's
0: just absolute stupidity i mean it is just like it's not just fake news it's fake stupid news i mean it is just not even good stupid well first of all the entire argument breaks down and logic it's called the law of derivation or or the genesis fallacy and that is oh if i can say where this idea came from then that proves it's wrong Mm. well no because where did this monk and aostra come from so you can never go back far enough, right? Yeah, and yeah. and of course in scripture we go all the way back to Adam and Eve. So it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like the guy who uh, you know says, Wow, you know, the stock market in the last week is awesome. You really need to invest in the stock market, right? And you mm-hmm. go, Oh, you look at one week and it shows it going up, it's all green, and you're going, Wow, I wanna invest. And but a smart person says, Okay, what's it done in the last month, the last twelve months, the last Look two years, three years, thing. five yeah. years, and you look at it, and what it is is this giant, goes off the cliff, right? And then it just slowly bips up from the bottom, and you're going, yeah, maybe now's not a good time. Maybe now's not a good time. <laughs> See, it's all about perspective. And what intellectually honest people do is they look at it completely. And, and the term Easter, you know, they always try to say, oh, it comes from this pagan No, it doesn't. It's so much older than that. It comes from an ancient, ancient word, uh, that basically means East,
1: right? So there's, there's nothing fancy about the term Easter. Yeah. It just means east.
0: it's just East, you know, okay. and, you know, Jerusalem, you know, of course was East, you know, of so much that happened, uh, uh, in the new Testament, the Israelites, you know, when they were in slavery, where did they go to, um, possess the promised land under Moses. Which direction did they go? They went to the east. They went east. Where does the sun rise? <laughs> In, In the, the east. east.
1: <laughs> so, so Get it's it really sunrise. Yeah, uh, <laughs> ah, you got that. Way to
0: go! But see, <laughs> the point is, is that the entire point and purpose of Easter is all about the resurrection. It really is. It's about the conquering of death, just like the Passover. And the reason we celebrate it at this time has nothing to do with pagan gods or pagan deities. It has everything to do with the Jewish origins of our faith. Let's not forget Jesus was what? Jewish. Jewish. So the entire point and purpose is about the resurrection and everything in the Old Testament is in there not to tell us how to relate to God. This is what's really important that I try to try to articulate as often as possible and that is a lot of people go to the Old Testament to figure out how we should relate to God. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's a group of Christians called Seventh-day Adventists. And they say, well, the Sabbath is on Saturday, right? Because that mm-hmm. was always the Jewish sh- Saturday. So we need to do that. And what they realize is that the Old Testament is a part of the New Testament for no other reason than everything in it was a symbolic pointing to Jesus. Right. It has nothing to do with how we relate to God. We can only be in
1: relationship with God through Jesus. Because otherwise, otherwise, we just should be adhering to all the old rules, right? Like if exactly. that's the, yeah. if that's the expectation, then there was no point in Jesus coming anyways, cause we could have just, we should have yeah. just kept living under old Testament law.
0: Yeah. And if you've read much of the new Testament, you realize that that was the biggest debate. You know, the very first council in acts chapter 15 was to settle that very question. Do you have to become Jewish in order to be saved by Jesus? Right. And they said, emphatically no. no.
1: Well, and we see that's that's one of the reasons Matthew's, the first book in the New Testament, right, is to be yeah. that bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament, yeah. right? Because he talks a lot about, well, here's all the signs and here's all the prophecy and here's his lineage that all proves that he is what the Old Testament's been pointing to exactly. the whole time, even though Matthew's book wasn't necessarily the first one written, right? Like Correct. that wasn't, his was not chronologically the first no. one created, but when they put the Bible together, like, well, this is the one that is the best bridge between old and new. Right. And so they want to further cement that idea that the old Testament matters, but it's not what you should be utilizing to relate to God. Like that is not exactly, that is not the way you need to
0: read it. No, it's really interesting because, well, you know, this is a side note, but a lot of people will talk and say, well, they take the old Testament, literally, you know, or they, they take it too literally. And my counter to that is this, is that no they don't take it literally enough. And I base this on, it was a really kind of uh, impactful thing for me. And in, in interpretation is I was reading Galileo's defense to, uh, he wrote a letter to St. Bernardito Casolini or something like that. You know, it was a big Italian name. And what he said is he said, the reason I know that the earth revolves around the sun is because the Bible teaches that. And he says, the problem is, is that, the Ptolemies from the philosopher Ptolemy uh, who had become Christians. And that, you know, there was this long discipline in there in, in the Catholic church at that time. He said, they're not interpreting the Bible literally enough. Mm. And, and what I do is, is I say, here, here's the issue. And that is, is that Psalms is not written as a doctrinal book. It's a bunch of what songs, right? It's art. It's It's art. So just, it's, it's designed to evoke an emotion. And so you read it that way, not from the standpoint, oh, it's a doctrinal treatise on this. No, well, Romans was written for that, you know. Right. And Romans, quite frankly, is a little, you know, unless you're really into arguments and math, it's kind of boring, <laughs> you know, until you really get into it. And then you go, oh, but it's critical. It's absolutely critical understanding what the gospel is all about. And so Genesis. Is Genesis written to tell us this is exactly how God created the heavens and the earth step by step by step? No, it wasn't written for that purpose. It was written for the purpose in uh, uh, William Lane Craig, who I I respect is a very conservative scholar. He's phenomenal, and he's very well-researched. And he talks about it is that it doesn't say anything that contradicts how the earth heavens and earth would be created in a if a, in a scientific process, but it, it's not written to tell you how to do it so that you could draw all these inferences from. And so when you try to make literature do something it was never intended to do is when you create problems for right. yourself. So, you know, I think that, that that's the problem with so many people today is that they're trying to make the New Testament, the Old Testament say things it was never designed to say because they're not interpreting the Bible literally enough. And literal means... Not the words on the page that I associate the meaning to. Mm. That's what a lot of people, well, I associate that. That's what it means. That's what it says. Okay, that's really the most arrogant statement you've ever made. Because what you're saying is all of my background, all of my culture, the way I've been trained to think, causes me to interpret those words this way. Because all words, I know this is abstract, but all words are phenomenological. Meaning they are abstract verbal symbols representing a reality so what what pops into your
1: head when i say dog a canine a canine right (laughs) why because that's what that's the word that's associated with that
0: yeah well how how do you know that that word is associated with that that's what i was taught that's how you grew up everybody says that's a dog yeah. And you get realized, oh, I want a dog. No, I don't want a dog. You know, when you say cat, it's the same type of thing. And so that that's really important to understand is that we have to understand what those people thought, how their minds were shaped, uh, what they intended from the literature. And <clears throat> that's how you come to an accurate understanding of, of why it's inspired by God mm. is, oh, this is exactly what they heard and how they believed it to mean. And that's why, you know, the passage that's most applicable to understanding the importance of, uh. The resurrection is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Okay. You know, we we see a lot of uh, the accounting in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? And how the people interacted with the event of him raising from the dead. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is the one that actually shows us the the, in, the why it's so significant. The implications. The of implications it. of it. You know, and if you look at like chapter 15, uh, 15 verse 1 of the book of 1 Corinthians, it says this. Now I make known to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel which I preach to you, which you have received and in now which you stand. And it is through the gospel that you're saved. So what is he saying? We are saved by a propositional truth, right? Mm -hmm. We're not saved because you got this right haircut. You learned the right words to say in some ceremony, There's not a a tattoo you have to get. It's a propositional truth that you believe and internalize, Mm -hmm. right? So it's called the gospel. Well, what is that? He goes, if you hold firmly to the word which I preached to you, otherwise you believed in vain. For I handed down to you as of first importance what I received. Do you know what he's saying? He goes, I didn't make this up. I got this from Jesus. Jesus gave it to me. I gave it to you. It's the gospel. What is the gospel? Here's a propositional truth. Number one, Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Now, when he's writing this, how many New Testament books were in existence and considered scriptures?
1: None. Almost none. Right. They, they're probably collecting the parts. Like right. Timothy's probably running around gathering yeah. all the things. gathering so, his letters. But it's not, yeah. it's probably not assembled at this point, right?
0: Yeah. And I mean, I would say almost none of them were right. written. Yeah, you know, Probably the earliest one was the book of James, right? Right. That they say was kind of the book of James. But... Yeah, this is so. So, what scriptures is he referencing? The Old Testament. The Old Testament. He says that Christ died for our sins. The Messiah. Notice how he says the Messiah. Died for our sins according to the scriptures. Notice how he doesn't say Jesus Christ. So he's using the term Christ, which is Messiah, which is prophesied over and over and over and over again in the New Testament. And Jewish people today who are Orthodox and follow Jesus believe in a Messiah. They still believe in a Messiah to this day. They just don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Right. See? So what happens is he goes, Now Jesus, this Messiah was buried. So he died. Then he was buried. And then he was raised on the third day. All of this according to the scripture. So the Old Testament points to this over and over again. He says, then he appeared to Cephas, which was the nickname for Peter, who used to be Simon. So the apostle Peter. And when you read the account, you know, Peter was one of the first ones. As soon as the ladies came back and said something really weird's going on, then he sprinted down there to see what happens. And, you know, that's where the angel says, why do you look for the living among the dead? You know, so, so Peter then, and then he appears to all of the 12. Eventually you can go in and read about how that played out. And then there's doubting Thomas, you know, who, who eventually says, Oh my goodness. After that, he appears to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time. So, so over 500 followers of Christ, other than the apostles, right? See Jesus resurrected bodily from the dead, then he goes on, then he appears to James, okay? Now, what James is he talking about? Okay, oh, I'm sorry, after that, I I skipped, uh, he goes, 500 brothers, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep, basically meaning they've died, right? Right. He goes, then he appeared to James, right? So James saw him, well, what James is he talking about? I believe here he's talking about his half-brother who wrote the book of James, who was the lead pastor of the church in Jerusalem, right? Right. says, and I go, I, I don't think there's any better testimony in the world today than to have your own brother say you're the Messiah.
1: Yeah, because you know the whole time he's growing up, he's probably like, yeah, uh-huh, sure. Yeah, sure, yeah. Sure. Yeah,
0: give me a break, Jesus. Give, <laughs> right? me, a, give me my piece of pie. Yes. You know, Mom, he didn't give me he my did, cooking. Mate. You know, so and, and here James says that. So he goes, uh, then to all the apostles and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appears to me as well. So he's referencing his, the appearance of Jesus to him on the road to Damascus. Damascus. So the, the main point here that is being made is that the resurrection is the gospel. See, the resurrection is the gospel. That is the good news. That is the news. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised on the third day. He is the Messiah. He is everything that the old Testament pointed to. He's everything that the new Testament talks about. It is the only way. In which we are able to relate to God. Mm. You see, we, the old Testament cannot tell us how to relate to God. All it can tell us is that Jesus is who he said he was. Mm. And so now the new Testament says, this is how you know, and walk with God in Jesus Christ. What's happened to you when you come to know him. Now, there've been a number of theories over the years that have cropped up, uh, events in history, uh, that have changed the world, but nothing like Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Um, Some of the theories have tried to go back and discredit it. Uh, The earliest uh, critics of the resurrection of Jesus Christ went around saying, well, the disciples stole the body. Okay, they stole the body. Mm -hmm. That's what happened. So nobody really saw Jesus. Well, this of course has fallen apart. I mean, this fell apart in the first couple centuries really quite earlier because number one, all the Roman guards would have been executed because they were guarding it. If, If that would have happened, you know, then they would have been executed. Okay. Uh, number two is every one of these disciples that supposedly stole the body all died, horrible deaths.
1: So they would have given it up at some point, right? If they had exactly they would have been like, just kidding, I I, I know where it's at.
0: Yeah, the Babylon Bee did a great little parody of this. They said, this is what the world wants you to believe about the disciples. And they're sitting around afterwards, and one of the guys like Peter says, hey, we need to keep this thing going, it's going really well. And he goes, what do you think? He goes, well, let's steal the body, and then we can tell everybody else. And then they're all like, yeah, let's do it. We can keep this going, keep the money flowing, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, and they go, okay, then what's next? What do we do after we say we stole the body? And he goes, well, then we all die horrible deaths because of it. And then all the apostles (laughs) are like, we what, <laughs> can we change the plan? It's just, a, I don't like this plan. <laughs> it's a hilarious satire, but it points out the stupidity of this argument. Right. You know, by just making so much fun of it, the the second biggest critic of it. And and which actually supports the fact that the first one is false is Islam and Islam came up with what is known as the substitution theory. And that was, Jesus was a great prophet, but he wasn't divine. And so when he was crucified on the cross, it wasn't really him. It was a, it was a substitute. Hmm you know, some guy said, Hey, it's me. So Jesus never really died on the cross. You know, I guess after it all blew over, you know, when he ascended into heaven, he retired to a Mediterranean island or something, you know, I don't know, kind of a thing. So Jesus was a prophet in their position, but not divine. And someone else was substituted him at the cross. And this proves two basic things. Number one, Islam realized the earlier theory didn't work because no one believed it. See back then in the first three century, nobody believed it that you know over five hundred people would see all these guys would go to incredible painful deaths and you know just all the evidence. It's like yeah, get a life. No one believed that one. And the other thing too is that Islam couldn't have a divine being before Muhammad. You see, so they had to modify. So they had to modify it. But what's really interesting is that the biggest scholars that use actually use the Quran to argue against the substitutionary. Theory of Jesus' body—it's really kind of interesting.
1: <laughs> well, I think—I mean, having this—I mean, there's even they've started having science reports come out that there was even an earthquake about yeah. the time that yeah, you know, there's there's all the scientific evidence that proves that this event happened, right? Yes, like, it's beyond just these people that are trying to use really yeah. you know straw man <laughs> arguments to try to to knock the whole thing down, but. That gives some people who who maybe need a little push on their faith enough to go. Oh, well, I, I see these things, right? Like yeah. there's there's historical representation that actually proves that this occurred, and that gives them the ability to make that next step of. Right. You know, this this person is who they say. Well, it means
0: faith isn't irrational. It is rational. Right. Yeah, because that's it's one a of step the favorite arguments, of, right? Is, yeah.
1: Um. So. Let's talk about what this passage teaches as far as the importance of the resurrection.
0: Well, I think that, um, what happens is, you know, if you look at the next chunk of scripture, if we jump first down it. yeah, in first Corinthians chapter 15, if you go through nine through 11, he talks about, you know, he's not worthy to be called an apostle, but he is. But then in verse 12, it says this now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? So notice what he's saying. Jesus, we preach Jesus raised from the dead. So you can't say Jesus raised from the dead and saved us, but nobody else raises from the dead. There's no afterlife. Mm. That doesn't make any sense. He goes, because if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ was raised. And if Christ has not been raised and our preaching is in vain, your faith is in vain. Now notice what he says next in verses 12 through 19. We're going to skip over 9 through 11 because he talks about why he is an apostle. Well, he he doesn't deserve to be an apostle, but he is. It says, now, if Christ is preached, then he has been raised from the dead. How do some of you, among you, say that there is no resurrection from the dead? So what Jesus is saying is that, look, we preach the gospel. Jesus Christ raised from the dead, and now you're saying that nobody else gets raised from the dead? He goes, look, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ was raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God. So notice what he's saying now. He's saying it's not just our testimony, but this is the testimony of God right. that Christ was raised from the dead. He goes, now, can, can we testify against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, and if, in fact, the dead are not raised? So he, he's basically saying your argument makes no sense. Verse 16, he goes, look, if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Now, this is a really big deal that most people gloss over in America today and why their faith has no power and why their faith is not transformational and why their faith doesn't sustain them when they need it to be strong. And this is why we're here to say, we're not here to tell you what to think. We want you to think for yourself and strengthen your own faith. And here's the critical point. He says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. So the resurrection is what gives your faith power. Okay? Mm. It all comes from the resurrection. And he goes, the reason why it gives you power is because it frees you from what? Your sins. He says, therefore, or then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if we have hoped in Christ only in this life, we of everyone else are most to be pitied. He says, following Christ just for this life and nothing else is a pitiful existence. Because it doesn't make any sense.
1: It's the same same argument of, let's go steal the body so we can go suffer. Suffer and die, Yeah. yeah.
0: That's crazy. Here's the implications. If we cannot be redeemed from death, then there is no redemption here in this life. Notice what he's saying is that the biggest problem is death. And so, if if he can redeem you through the resurrection from death, then that means he can redeem you from anything else in this life. And so, the resurrection is all the power of the resurrection is redemption. It's about second chances. Notice the phrase, you would be stuck still in your sins. And this is a really, really big deal for those early followers of Christ, the people who would have read this for the very first time. You see, Everybody who was Jewish who was reading this was raised in a culture that revolved around the issue of absolution. Their entire, you know, all their holidays, the 4th of July, Christmas, Easter, you know, uh, President's Day, uh, Groundhog, all everything had to do with being absolved for your sins, atoning mm-hmm. for your sins. that's what you had to do uh gentiles had been, been influenced by roman philosophy for centuries not decades but centuries hundreds and hundreds of years their entire society was built on social status hierarchies and victory there's no trophy for second place and the whole thing was is that you reward your friends and punish your enemies and you have to get victories that's the whole point accolades they called them right that's the only way you can move up in society and if you lost you went down you were punished for it so this is why having your past according to paul is so critically important to be atoned for you need to atone for the past and it was such a big deal for them see there is no tomorrow when you're locked in the past there is no future when your future is already dictated by a mistake you made in the past you know and and today uh i, I was uh, uh watching this series reading this book called peripheral you know mm-hmm. is that familiar and it's, it a,
1: it's on Amazon? Is yeah, that, it's, it's like a sci-fi with? thing okay, and all
0: this kind of stuff. And this gal, you know, she goes in and, and embeds herself. And, you know, it's in the future, uh, you know, a little bit about, I don't know, 50 years or so. She's really, really good at these 3D video games, right? Okay. And so her, and her brother is with her, you know. And you can go in and you can play as, as an avatar and help people get to the next level. And they pay you money for it, right? Okay. So it's kind of a cheap way to, you know, you kind of make money. right? But long and short of it. She gets into one. He says, hey, go play for me. So she goes and plays. They think it's a video game, but it's really not. They're actually being transported to the future, mm. you see? And what's interesting is in the whole layout of the plot, it basically comes to this. It says, I need to hit reset. I need to start a whole new future timeline. And the person says, why? And she says, well, I, it's a soft lock, I think is what she says. And And that means early on in the game, when you first start playing, you make a fatal error that you're not aware of that no matter how much you play, you lose.
1: You can't progress, right? You can't progress. Like, you're stuck. I, I mean, this has happened to me. I'm a, I'm a gamer. I've played. Like, you, sometimes it's a glitch. Yeah. Most of the time, it's you made bad choices at some point, and yeah. so it keeps you from being able to either complete the game or get the best Things like you've locked yourself out of that option. Like you're, you literally just can't go anywhere. And you can't
0: go back and fix it.
1: No, like you 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 have to reset the game. Yeah.
0: You have to get a new person, a new avatar, restart restart the game. The whole thing. Yeah. Like you're just
1: stuck in where you're at. And usually you just have to turn the thing off. And, and and that's
0: your life without the resurrection. You're absolutely unequivocally stuck. And that's why Jesus comes in and he says, look, I don't want to go back and fix your avatar and the mistake you made earlier to try to just get a better thing. We're gonna shut this whole thing down and we're gonna reboot it. And it's like being born again. It's going from death mm. to life. And now you know, right? You're not stuck in your, trans, your, your transgressions and sins. You don't have a soft lock. You haven't been locked into this world. And that's the whole point of this is that people get locked into this world and they don't know how to escape it, Mm. even though they're still living here. And that's why it all comes down to the kingdom. Notice what he says in verse 20. Here's the fact. Christ has been raised from the dead. Okay. It's a fact. The first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man, death came by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Notice what he's saying is that Adam brought evil into the world. One man brings it in, ruins it for everybody. Right? Right. That's the soft lock. And he goes now, no matter when you were born, no matter how hard you try, you can never be free from it. Right. Mm -hmm. He goes, but guess who enters into the game and says it's time to reboot Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. And he's not bound because he's God. He's even greater than the creator of the game. Right. He's the Lord overall. Cause listen to what he says this. He goes, each in his own order, Christ, the first fruits after that, those are Christ's at his coming. So he's talking about the end. He goes, then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to our God and father, when he has abolished all rule and authority and power. So what does he mean? He abolished what he's saying is that right now we live in this kingdom, right? The kingdom of this world. And Jesus, his resurrection, is abolishing all rule and authority and power of that kingdom in your life. Mm. And he goes, verse 25, For he must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that will be abolished is what? Death. That's it. So he has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection, it is clear that this excludes God the Father who put all things in subjection to Jesus. So when all things are subjected to him, Jesus, the Son himself, will also be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him so that God may be in all. And what he's a lot saying of words here, of subjection. <laughs> yeah, so uh, basically what he's saying is that Jesus brought the kingdom of God into the kingdom of this world, and what he's doing is he's infecting it With the power and authority of God, he's abolishing all the powers and authorities and everything that stands against it. And eventually a day will come, the second coming, when everything is there. And then all of this that was stolen from God's kingdom will be brought back in and it will be all in unison under God. Mm-hmm. And and that's why you say heaven is a place of no pain, no suffering, no... I mean, anything bad that you can think of is eradicated. The reason why it exists is because it exists in the kingdom of this world outside the absolute authority of God. So this is the whole point about why we celebrate the resurrection. It's all about us learning. We want to celebrate it and honor it so we value it. And when we value it, it's a learning process of how to submit ourselves to God's kingdom, not the worldly kingdom. That's the process of growth and discipleship and maturity. And that's why here at Salty Pastor, our goal is to help every person grow is we, cause this is a big deal to us. We don't want you stuck in your sins. We don't want you stuck in the kingdom of this world. We don't want you stuck in the past. We don't want you to have a soft lock that ruins every day moving forward. Mm. And, and so the more we teach you about your faith, the more you can say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not playing the old game that I can never win. I'm going to start living and playing this new game that Christ has given me, and it's called New Life love it.
1: Thank you pastor so much for sharing that with us. I'm excited to see what you talk about on Thursday as we head into our, our resurrection weekend celebration. I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts of how this is applicable even today. <laughs> and, uh, I'm excited to hear all those things and more. We've got a lot going on here at foothills this week. Um, we've got a good Friday worship service that mm-hmm. we're partnering with four other churches on. We've got, um, an Easter celebration for the kids on Saturday. They're doing an egg hunt, some other stuff. Um, and then obviously Services on Sunday at 9, 10, 15, and 1130. You can come here on campus or you can watch them online. We want to see you either place or show up to all three. We're excited to have you as many times as you want to come and be a part. So thank you guys so much for joining us. And we'll see you on Thursday here on the Salty Pastor (laughs) Podcast. Blessings.